Jason, what's up, man? Welcome to Construction Royalty Podcast. How you doing? Yes, sir. Good, brother. How are you, man? Thanks for having hey. me. Yes, sir. Yeah, um, everything's going great here, man. How's how's everything on on your end? Uh, we're good. It's uh, it's a tricky time over here. Um, first quarter for us is generally a little bit slow on the commercial construction side. Um, interest rates are a little bit up, which maybe slowing things down a bit, but thankfully um, we've been in business since 1990. So um, we have a, a nice established uh, network of customers that kind of regardless of any sort of circumstances uh, come to us. So uh, things are good. And the second quarter is is looking really good. So I'm, I'm thankful. Yeah. So 1990, that's about 30 years. Um, and I know you mentioned on Instagram too, that you, you started there uh, about 20 plus years ago. Yeah. You, you started like as the, at the very bottom, right? As a laborer. Yes, sir. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's interesting, man. Uh, so I'm 43 now and um, I'll try and give you the quickest version I have, but um, I was dating a girl right after high school and I was going to school to be a state uh, police officer, a state trooper um, over here in Pennsylvania. And um, I had just started going to college, trying to work towards that. And um, she said to me, we're going to my rich uncle's house for Christmas. And I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what he did. But I knew that um, I lived in an apartment complex growing up with three other siblings in one bedroom. So freaking everybody was rich to me. That's uh, what I said. I thought, OK, well, let, let's see what this guy's all about. So we pull up to his house and it's a nice single home, you know, nothing crazy. And I thought, holy shit, like, what does this guy do? And, and you know, looking back, it was uh, kind of a normal, you know, 2,500, 3,000 square foot single home with half an acre, normal. But I thought, what the hell does this guy do? I got to talk to this guy. So we go into the house and um, him and I hit it off instantly. He was in his 40s at the time and... We just hit it off instantly. And by the end of the night, uh, we're drinking and, you know, real social, real fun evening. And he says to me, uh, hey, I could see you taking over my company one day. And I'm like, dude, I don't even know what commercial construction is. Like, I, I, I wasn't a kid who, you know, used Legos or had an engineering mind. Like, that wasn't even my deal. Like, I'm not even sure I could hang a picture at 18. And I thought, um, uh okay. I, I, really, I was like, this guy's just drunk and kind of out of his mind. And he's like, no, really, you know, I, I, I could see you taking over my company one day. You know, we, we grew up very similar. Um, he saw a lot of traits in me that he had at the time when he started the business, just kind of a young hustler, you know, eager to make money and find his way through, through life and willing to accept any opportunity that came his way. And I said, uh, I don't think so, man. I said, I think I want to be a state trooper at the time. You know, you could sign up to make whatever it was, $60,000, $65,000 a year. Um, that really that really enticed me because I thought, okay, well, I know I can support a family and I can have a job and I can work towards something if I do that. But part of my brain was like, hmm, this is kind of interesting. I mean, I'd love the opportunity to scale my income or have some flexibility schedule-wise. But uh, mainly at the time, <clears throat> I didn't have money because I was a kid. 
and I would just started dating his niece and I really wanted to um, get my shit together while I was going to school. So I said, look, why don't I work for you on weekends, you know, sweeping up and uh, I'll collect some money that way and uh, we'll see what happens. I said, perfect. Great. You can start this Saturday. So they were building a building near our house. I went there on Saturday, sweeping, picking up drywall, you know, doing the mundane things, getting yelled at by the older guys. But for some reason, I really enjoyed it. And um, I liked the camaraderie. I played sports growing up. I liked all of these guys kind of being together. And uh, I liked it. And so I did that for many Saturdays. And uh, and then I would say a, two years into that, um, I, I, was, I, I had started working during the week with him a little bit, but I got my degree. I got my, my two-year degree. And I started to go for my four-year degree, but I was really enjoying it. So I said, listen, I'll go to school a few days a week and I'll work with you a few days a week because I'm enjoying it. So we did that for two more years and I got my degree and I came into his office and I said, look, I, 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 I graduated. I, I want to go to state police Academy. Um, I applied. There was 5,000 of us and they invite the top 500 and I was ranked 202 out of 500. So um, I got a letter that said, come to State Police Academy. I went in. I said, I'm out. I wasn't even really thinking about staying. I knew I had enjoyed it, but um, I wasn't really thinking about staying. And for whatever reason, man, he's a good salesman. You know, he's like, look, stay. Forget the state police, man. Like, you know, you could you could just kind of be here with this. Like if you just stick it out, like it's give it's provided me a good life and Something about that intrigued me because along the way, I lot of I met a bunch of small business owners that had flexibility, were kind of calling their own shots, and I like that. I like the ability to just kind of break off, go have lunch, talk about a project, talk about an investment opportunity. And again, I, I wasn't doing that stuff; I just kind of was around it. And um, he's like, "Don't go to State Police Academy. You're going to regret it. You know, stay with me." And I don't know. By the end of that ten minute conversation, dude, he had me hook, line, and sinker. So I just ripped up the offer letter. I put it in the trash can, shook his hand. I said, you have a deal. And again, I was, you know, 21, 22 at the time. Uh, maybe, yeah, around there. And uh, I had no idea kind of what um, this was going to mean, what it was going to look like. I just knew I was going to come to work the next day and keep busting my ass every day so that he saw that I was going to be um, somebody that could take over for him. Again, you don't have to see the entire staircase, right? You just have to see the first step. And I thought, okay, well, tomorrow I'm going to go do the same thing. I'm going to go bust my ass. And the, when he comes to the job site, it's going to be the cleanest job site you ever saw. And um, so I did that for another year or two. And then he brought me in the office. And I was running work by, by, by that time. He brought me in the office, started teaching me project management, estimation and I'm mid twenties, you know, um, doing all that. He names me vice president of, it wasn't a big group, you know, about a dozen, 15 group, uh, person company. And so here I am mid to late twenties and I'm the only guy under him and, uh, him, him and I are just flying, man. We're busy. We're, you know, doing everything we can to keep driving top line and I'm staying late trying to prove myself. And, uh, I did that for 
solid 10 years. Again, whatever he needed. Um, but I really liked it. I really liked it. That's, that's the underlying thing. I, I would have worked 24-7 if my personal life didn't stop me. And I still do. And uh, and then at about 35, um, mid to late 30s, I got married. And I said, look, um, this has all been great. This is all kind of a good story. But I'm married. I need to set myself on a path here. We need to put something in writing. We had nothing in writing at the time. I never regretted my decision not going to state police, but I did in my back of mind say, Christ, this better pay off. You know what I mean? Like this be- I, this guy better not just up and leave. Because I had seen some tough times where he could have just packed it up and closed the business and said, that's it. There was one particular time in 08, 2008, when it was really tough. Um, and he said, look, he's like, we, you know, we might have to close this thing down. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I could have I could have been in the state police academy for whatever it was, 10, 15 years by now, halfway to retirement. What are we going to do? And he was like, look, worst case, I fire everybody. It's me and you working out of my basement because we had a big office building at the time. And we'll just get it done. And I thought, OK, well, I'm here for you, man, whatever you need. We overcame that step. And then again, it was all right. I need to get something in writing. So um, about seven years ago, we put a five-year plan in place. Right before that plan expired at like the fourth year, I had my son, first child. And uh, I was just I was just ready to go, man. I, I was shot out of a cannon. Every day I woke up, I'm like, all right, I got to go kick life in the ass. Like, But he was. I kind of felt I was being held back a little bit because I wasn't the guy. And I wanted him to retire so I could take over. I had other opportunities. Clients were trying to poach me. Hey, you're, you know, you're a young guy in, the, in, in this industry. We'd love to take you and start our own company. And I thought, you know what? I'm extremely loyal. I told this guy I was going to see this through. I'm going to see this through. So at the year four, I said, enough. I either want to go start my own thing or you're going to sell it to me. And he thought, um, he thought about it for a little bit. And then he said, you know what? I, I can be ready. Give me like six months. I'll get my affairs in order. And so we did. So six months later, he came to me and he said, I'm ready. We have an offer and um, I'm ready to present it. thought, okay. So we sat down, me, him, his wife. And admittedly, I had thought to myself, okay, I'm probably not. This probably isn't going to work out because this is a company that he established in 1990. Um, it's his last bite at the apple, right? Um, it's his opportunity to sell cash out and live a good life. And so I'm probably going to get a value that's higher than I'm willing to pay because at this point, having been there for 20 years, I had my own book, you know, my own clients because we always ran parallel. I estimated and project managed my stuff and he did his stuff. I procured my own clients. He procured his, you know, we were kind of like two ships in the night. So it worked out well. And I thought, okay, well, I can, worst case, I can go start a business doing my own thing with half the customers, half the top line. That's okay. I can make a living off of that. And uh, he presented me an offer that I thought was fair in the end. And I looked at it and I thought, okay, you know, my gut was telling me yes. And listen to my gut for everything good and bad. (laughs) And I thought, okay, well, that's a palatable number. So 
So I said, I give you this number, which by the way, I didn't have, I didn't have the freaking money. So, but, um, as I give you this money, you go away. I take the employees with me and it's tomorrow's the same day. It's been it's just, you're not here. Correct. And he said, yeah. So I said, okay. So I said, you know, let me, uh, let me think about it. I'll get back to you in a day or two. I walk out of his office. I call my wife and she said, how'd it go? Was it that bad? Was, you know, did they want too much? I said, no, honestly, I said, um, I thought, I think the value was fair. So I think I'm going to do it. She's like, great. Where are you getting the money? I don't freaking know, <laughs> but I'm, I'm scrappy. So um, thankfully, I knew a buddy that was head of uh, SBA, the small business um, administration over this way at a local bank. And um, I said, look, here's what I have. Um, can you give me funding for this? And he said, send me over the books and I'll tell you in five minutes if you can handle it. If, if you can, if we can finance it, because um, trading construction companies or a lot of blue collar companies, like any company, it's just a multiple of EBITDA, right? So it's just whatever the bottom line is, it's a multiple construction. I learned, I didn't know this. I learned through the process is generally, you know, three and a half to 5% profit. So whereas like a tech company might be 20 times profit. So I knew in my head, okay, you know, profit should be about X based off of top line. Um, if it trades at four, call it four or five times, it should be X, it should be Y. Um, and then it ended up being slightly less and again, a number I was comfortable with. So uh, my, I sent the information to my guy and said, just give me three years books. Called me in five minutes. He said, it's worth it. I can give you the funding and I can give you a couple hundred thousand dollars uh, working capital on top of the loan and it will still support it. Do you want to do it? I said, yeah. He said, great. Boom. Hang up. Call the other guy. Call Luke Miller, the owner of Luke Miller, uh, LK Miller at the time. I'm yeah. doing it. Okay. Well, I can settle in 60 days. Okay. Boom. And then that was it. And, uh, but if you've ever done an SBA loan, it is, um, I, it's like a financial colonoscopy, dude. It was like everything that any money you spent, we need to know it. It's paperwork this thick. It was a process. Getting an SBA loan was a process. It was like a part-time job. But in the end, you only have to put 10% down, which is helpful. And, uh, and that's it. It's a little slow to settle, you know, 60 days or so, but, um, in the end, I've, I've made a couple key decisions in my life, two or three in particular, um, that have put me where I am now. And uh, that was certainly one of them. That was uh, one of the best decisions I've ever made. And thankfully, my group, the company, knew that there was some sort of plan in place with uh, Luke and myself. So I just kind of double checked with them before settlement. Hey, if I buy and Luke goes away, will you come over? Hell yeah, man, we're ready to go. You know, we're, we're ready to see this thing taken over by kind of the next generation and eager to see where you take it. So everybody's come over with me um, since two years ago when I settled. Um, we've hired a few more employees. Uh, we're looking to scale a little bit now. And uh, it's all good. It's been uh, it's been a blessing. It's been uh, and in the meantime, I had my second child, a daughter. So I have a four year old son and a two and a half year old daughter that 
Now I'm just focused on kind of scaling the top line uh, while still spending, you know, a fair amount of time with them. Um, that That's one of the one keys of advice that Luke gave me at the time for anybody starting a business. Um, when you're, when, when you're starting, you know, it, it's um, thankfully I didn't have to start something. Right. So that was the value add of buying um, a business that was rolling. But for Luke himself, he had to scrap and kind of start from nothing. And the one thing that he always said to me, which stuck in my mind was um, if and when you take this company over, make sure that you are as present in your children's lives as possible. He said, because from zero to ten. I can't tell you where I was like I was not really part of their life because I was trying to start this business. And he told me that five or six times in a couple year span as we got closer to the purchase. And every time he would tell me with tears in his eyes, like, I don't know where I was, you know, um, I did what I had to do for them. Um, I do regret some of it. But in the end, um, it's provided them the life that it's provided them. So I'm trying to walk the tightrope of um, doing both, right? Work-life balance is certainly um, not easy. Some would say it doesn't exist. Um, some would say it does. You just need to try harder. Um, for me, yeah. it, it's whatever works for each individual, right? Like, so having heard Luke tell me that for so long, I make sure that I drop my kids off at daycare every morning before I start my day. Period. It's not. It's there's. It's not negotiable. I'm, I'm not going to take a meeting early in the morning um, and not do that. So that's the kind of promise I've made myself: is drop them off, go about your day. So uh, I think you can have it all. Like I believe you can have it all. I agree. Know, and that yeah, and I believe that he was like, I, I was listening to a video today of a clip where it's like one of the guys of the, he's a CEO of the supplement company that I use. Mm -hmm. And he uh, he was saying that he doesn't believe in like work-life balance because you're just trying to spread yourself thin throughout every area. When, when what he tries to do now is like when he's at work, like he's at work, he's not on the phone. He's not like talking to anybody else. He's just dialed in and his work. When he's with his kids, it's all about kids. His phone's away. Work doesn't matter. You know, he's out in that moment with his kids. Same thing with his wife, with his fitness, whatever. If he's working out, like he's working out. He's not on the phone, not talking to anybody else. Like he's just out in every moment and whatever it is that he's doing. So he's like, that's how I believe, like, you know, you can have it all. Because people think it's like one or the other, right? Like, no, like if you work hard enough, I think you can have it all. I agree. I agree. And there's 24 hours in each day, right? Like, the excuse of, of kind of, there's not enough time in a day. Like I hate that yeah. because, um, uh, you know, Bill Gates, Elon Musk, Jeff yeah. Bezos, Sig <laughs> Sigmund Freud, Albert Einstein, they all had the same amount of time in a day. Um, yeah. so, but I agree with you that, um, a, I, I think multitasking is bullshit, right? Like I, I think you can, your brain can only really do one thing at a time. Well, yeah. and so I agree with you that, I have the same principle, right? Um, so my drive to school, my phone is on do not disturb. I'm not taking a call on the way to school. My phone stays in my truck. I go in, I take them to their separate classes. I kiss them, I hug them, I tell them I love them. I give them their snacks, I send them on their way. I then jump in my back in my truck and it's work mode. To your point, um, 
when I'm at work, I'm at work. My wife will tell you if my wife calls me, um, something's up, right? Cause she knows I'm at work. So there's, you know, I've had guys, I've, I've known guys where it's like, dude, it's your fourth time. Your wife's called you before lunch. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? You know what I mean? Like you're at work, you're supposed to be at work. And then as a result, I get home five o'clock phone goes on. Do not disturb gets tucked away for an hour. Right. I tell myself, and that's tough for me. The, the, the transitional time between work and home is arguably the toughest because your, your brain's still going, right? Oh, shit, I should have called that guy. Wait, did I just hear my phone ring? No, you didn't hear it ring because it's on Do Not Disturb. You're being goofy, you know? Um, but it helps force me. I put it away. It's Do Not Disturb. Then after like an hour, I'll just check it, make sure the world's not on fire. But um, And then I'm with the with my children and my wife until, you know, 8, 30, 9 o'clock when they go to bed. And then I'll just kind of scan my emails or voicemails. Is there anything that has to happen now? No? Okay. Well, then I can wait in the morning. And I get up early, right? I get up 4.30 because the kids get up at, you know, 6 o'clock. So I do my morning routine and then I work until they wake up. And as soon as the kids wake up, the laptop gets closed. And, you know, from 6 to 7.30, I'm with them taking the school. So, so I agree with you. And then after work, you know, it's the gym and the phone goes on, do not disturb again. You know, it's like the music goes on or the podcast goes on, the, the calls go off. And then afterwards, um, I turn it back on. So yeah. I, I agree with you that, that I don't know if that's a balance, but that's a, that's a um, handling all your shit the best way you can uh, theory. Yeah. I think in a way it is a balance, but it's like, the balance at the highest level right because when people like have that word balance you know they think everything's like you know down here kind of just like chill you know and i think it's just like overused big time i agree with you i agree yeah. with you. and 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 i love um yeah it, listen it's, that's a topic that i can go down a rabbit hole for an hour with because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's just such poor use of time by people um I mean, just go in your phone and just see how many hours a day you're on your phone and see how much time you're on social media or see how much time you were doing this or that. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I think if you stay focused and you, um, you set a goal and you just work towards it when you are there, like after this, I will close the computer. And I know that usually nine to 11 it's a podcast or it's um, emails or it's not phone calls. You know, I'm not taking the phone calls then. Um, and you just kind of time block my day. And that helps me as well. Right. Because if after this I, I go to work on a proposal like I'm going to and I, I, I take my phone off of do not disturb, then we just become stimulus rats. Right. Or it's like, oh, yeah. shit. Hello. Boom. Oh, oh, oh. Where was I? It takes you. It, it, it's proven that it takes five to six minutes to get back focused, you yeah. know, where you were after say 30 minutes. And um, so I think time blocking my day has really helped, you know, uh, but here's the good thing. Most people I think suck at all of that. So if you can do that automatically, you're way ahead of everybody and particularly in construction where it's an older school industry um historically coming up at least there wasn't a lot of technology used 
it was kind of the owner operator chucking a truck like the guy's on the phone he's picking up the material for the guy it's like that doesn't work for me for me it's evaluating what's my heaviest lift versus my lightest lift right so if you're running a company what's the shit you hate doing hire somebody for that what's the stuff that you like and that you're strong at do that right for me it's uh sales and estimating so i'll meet the client again having been here more than half of my life they know me so last year i thought okay i was doing some project management and i thought it's too much it's too much i i, I need to focus more on business development and growing the business so i could either a hire a salesman or b hire some more project managers for me the lightest lift is going out there meeting these clients walking the space um giving them a budget sometimes sight unseen or, or, or on or sight unseen or while we're there either way you know hey we're looking at 10,000 square feet it's a dentist office it's in this zip code uh what does that cost uh, generally it's 150 bucks a foot plus or minus 10 bucks whatever it may be uh, business development doing things like this uh, working on the website meeting clients for coffee those are lighter lifts for me so I decided to hire um, some more folks and I don't want to project manage these jobs themselves so my point is um, I think one of the keys to success for a small business is um, do what you're good at and focus on what is a strength for you um, I know a, I, I know a sizable company one of my subcontractors sizable company meaning you know 50 million dollar a year and um one of the owners does the accounting it's like why what what are you an accountant no i i hate doing it it's tuesday it's all day the fuck would That's you do true. that why would yeah. you do that <laughs> i mean it that that's it's just absurd right like if that's a heavy lift for you and you have the money hire somebody i would argue if it's a heavy lift for you and you don't have the money still hire somebody because what that's going to do is it's well it's going to light a fire under your ass right it's going to say okay yeah. I, i'm now paying this person you know whatever x to do my accounting um and i don't have it so now i need to go sell and in the selling process comes more opportunities right um that was that was where i was last year i thought okay i could hire a couple employees and absorb x amount of salary well shit, i don't really have that well that's okay go make it right so with the 10 15 20 hours a week that i was helping on the project management side what could you do with that time that's what i told this guy I said if you had your eight hours back that you spent on a tuesday accounting what could you do you know, you're doing yeah. you're doing hundred dollar an item an hour items when you should be doing ten thousand dollar an hour yeah. items. You know, like you just go sell a job. Just say, okay, on Tuesday I'm going to try and sell a job. And if you sell once one this month, it's going to absorb you paying accountant. You know, for for that time on a Tuesday. So yeah. I don't. Know. I would have thought I would have thought he'd loved it. You know, yeah, right? I know, I know. Again, it, it's kind of stuck because that's what he had recently purchased himself and two other guys had recently purchased a company yeah and it's, and it's what the other regime used to do so i had i struggled with that a little bit at first as well where it's like okay well 
that's what this guy used to do. So that's what I have to do. And um, you quickly learn if you're paying attention that it's not the most efficient way, right? Like you cannot be in the weeds of your business all day, every day and expect uh, growth. You yeah. have to have, I, I think, you have to have a bird's yeah, eye view, right? Like you have to work on the business more than you have to work in the business. Yeah, I mean, like if, you, if you're stuck in the weeds like that, you know, you can't, like your your focus is so small, you can't see anything, you know? But if you're saying like you, you get that 10,000 foot view, the bird's, bird's eye view, you know, you take a step back and you see everything from a hole and you're like, okay, now I can see everything and, you know, guide the ship. Correct. Better. Correct. And, and look, your, your, your company is looking towards you for guidance, right? You are the captain of the ship. So um, first of all, I didn't really have a great captain in the previous uh, regime. Great guy, right? Like this person was um, a brother, a friend, an uncle, a father figure um, before he was even a boss. Lastly, he was a boss. So um but I, I saw a lot of bad habits that kind of he had. But the blessing was that I was paying attention. So I knew what to take with me and what to leave, right? Like, like it's like a buffet, right? Like take what serves you and leave the rest. And so I picked up a couple of good habits, a um, couple good uh, nuggets that I still carry with me. Like one is um, the relationships are the most important, period, right? Like. I just ate $7,000 on a job because one of my subcontractors read the drawings wrong, but yet um, the design manual, I would argue, had it the way that we did it. And um, it was it was the running of a floor, right? Like the plan said, run the tile this way. The design manual said, run it this way. We just picked the wrong one and the guy did it. And they said, subcontractor said, I can't eat the $7,000. I had it right here. Now, this is a client that I do a bunch of work for. And I, you know what? In the name of good faith, and I'm just going to eat it. And um, sure enough, I'm now doing two jobs with that client. So like for me, um, I don't nickel and dime, dude, at all. At 43 years old with 10, 20 years left in this business, I don't know. Like you can't nickel and dime clients, period. Like that's your life source of your company, you know? Um, if it's a couple hundred dollar item, I mean, it's not worth anyone's time. It's just a bad look, I think. So anyway, that's something he taught me, right, is, is the relationships are everything. And again, spend some time with the kids. But so so what I take with me is the relationships are most important, right? If you are not, um, it's kind of like a relationship, right? Like if you're not taking care of your clients, if you are not making them feel seen, if they you are not making them feel heard, if you are not treating them with the utmost respect, they could go to somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> Much like a relationship. You know what I mean? And it's like, like because the value add, I think, for contractors is the relationship that you have with them. Because um, once you're once your foot's in the door with somebody, um, just take good care of them, you know, because they're we're a dime a dozen. What we do is a dime a dozen. Again, I only do commercial. So I would argue that um, the my pool of competitors my way is a, is a little bit smaller than the residential side. But um, 
any chuck in a truck can can go swindle somebody into giving them an opportunity. And then once their foot's in the door, if they take good care of them, um, you might be screwed. You know, you might be screwed. So I like I like having my clients that I take care of, that I follow up with, that I check in with them halfway through the project, quarter way through the project. Hey, you know, how are things how are things going? Um, are you happy with 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 what we're doing? Um, because as a result, I've seen it. I've seen where I'm 10% higher than the next guy. It just happened last week. You were a little bit high, but we are going with you because of the relationship. We know that you will take care of us. You know, um, it's relational, it, it's transactional. Correct. Correct. And, and, and when I bought the company, I was shocked at how, um, easy the work will come if you are personable and you answer your phone. I have had way too many clients say that like, dude, you answer right away. Like you get back to me right away. And in my head, it's the separator. I know it's the separator between me and the next guy, because I know the other guy is taking 24 hours to return your call or he's too busy in the field to respond to your email until at night. Um, so kind of, shortening the time between um the opportunity and the action is 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 where i like to sit right money likes speed so move quickly yeah. you know especially especially if it's a financial opportunity right like maybe if if someone reaches out to you about a podcast okay that's different if someone says um hey i have a job for you you bet you better you better be quick right if i get if i get an invitation to bid and i'm in the middle of doing something i am on it and it's um you know thank you for the opportunity i'll take a look at it let you know if i have any questions in the meantime i'll set up a subcontractor walkthrough for tuesday 10 a.m expect myself and five individuals there and then and, and kind of they go oh, shit he's on it right like, like that's the separator i think um sure. and we're a little we're a little different in that i don't I don't use an estimating software to do a takeoff of the entire job and submit that. Like the way we operate is if I get a plan for bid, if I get a space plan, which has minimal information, I can budget that myself, right? I can say, okay, it's, you know, 25,000 square feet. It's medical. It's um, a gut and go. We're going to take the whole thing down, the, you know, we're going to demo the whole thing and, Okay, there's, eh, that's going to be about 100 to 110 bucks a foot. I, I turn them a budget around within hours, at least overarching, right? Because a lot of clients use us to close a deal. Hey, this medical company or this office or this insurance company is looking at this space. Um, what's it going to cost? They don't. The broker doesn't really have the time to wait two weeks for me to give them a bid because they're out seeing property. So I have the relationships where they might say, hey, this guy loves 8,000 square feet at this building. They're, they think they can keep half of it. They think, you know, we got to manipulate the other half. You know, what's that looking like? Uh, you know, it's probably 65, 70 bucks a foot. Ba, 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 boom, boom. Tell them it's going to be this plus or minus 10% contingency. Then, then they leave right away knowing if they want that space or not. Yeah, um, that's that, that's kind of on the budgetary uh, side. Then when we get a full construction documents, I still won't do all the takeoffs. I, I know right away what it's going to be generally. 
based on the square footage. Um, but what we do is we send it out to our subs and then we conduct the subcontractor walkthrough. And then um, kind of they ask their questions of me, of the client, and um, they, they turn their price around to me in a week or so. And, you know, it's demo, carpentry, drywall, painting, flooring. And it just gets compiled. We put on our general requirements, project management, supervision, et cetera, subtotal, overhead and profit number. Boom. I give it to the client. That's a number that is from the street and we could start tomorrow on it. I mean, they're real numbers, right? It's not just some spreadsheet that we put together. Um, so again, that's kind of where I like to sit uh, relationship wise is I can give you something quick. I can give you something full turnkey, um, but just be a resource, right? Like just for those folks in your network, um, just try and add value. Constantly I get people calling yeah. and saying, I'd love to buy this building. What do you know about it? Well, you know, back in 99, we did a fit out there. We renovated the atrium, the common common areas. Like I can tell you what's behind those walls. I can tell you what it's going to need. Um, and, and you're probably looking at X to renovate it. And, you know, or it sat on the market for this long. And because I also have my, uh, my, my license. So I can conduct those commercial deals as well. That was another value add kind of that I saw a couple of years ago was, wait a second. When someone's building a commercial building, I'm making the least amount of money at the table, right? Like the guy's pushing the paper and doing the brokerage and, you know, it's like, wait a second, like I'm going to make the least of everybody and I'm in that world. So I'm the guy between the broker and the end user. So why not try and, you know, capture some of that that's coming my way? Yeah. You said a lot of like valuable things, but one thing that you said is like that you don't, you don't count the nickels and the dimes. And, and one, a mentor of mine that says, he says that like everybody's life's purpose is to create the individual that they admire, like in all areas and then give them to the world. And he's like, but you also be, you also need to be the client that you've always wanted. So true. Right. And like, and so when true. you, when you were telling me that story that you ate the 7,000, like that reminded me of it. And I was like, yeah, I mean, like you need to be, like you, like you're, you're being that person that you want to work with. Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, this guy's so easy to work with, you know, like there's no second thoughts of working with this guy. And then another thing that you said was that, um, like the last previous owner, like he was a good guy, but he had these bad habits or like, you know, he had positive habits, good habits, bad habits. And you took like the good habits from him. Right. And, and then like that, it reminded me of like what you said in the beginning. It was like whenever you started as as the broom guy sweeping, you're like, I need it. I'm gonna make sure that this floor is, is squeaky clean, right? It's as clean as possible. And it's like to me, if I feel like you've always had like that mindset of like doing everything to your best of your ability, like just going in there and just you know being like even if even if you're sweeping the job site, that you're gonna go in there and like be the best one at it. If you know there's five other guys doing the same thing, yeah. Yeah. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. That's something I've been blessed with, I guess, as, as a work ethic, but I'm also to a fault, a people pleaser. <laughs> so yeah. um, that's, that's kind of why that's a lot of how I was, right. Is um, I, the reason why I was that way cause, was because I was a people pleaser, but I also understood early on that just add value. So to your point, the value add for me 
was I heard once because I was listening that his biggest pet peeve was a dirty job site. Yeah. So in my head, I thought, well, this fucking guy's never going to come to a job site of mine and it's dirty because right off the bat, you're going to stand out. So just if you're working with somebody for somebody, um, a, you can ask them straight up. Like I do my clients, what's your biggest pain point, right? Like that's where I want to help or just listen, just, just be a fly on a wall, right? Like, again, he said he, I heard him say to somebody else, I wasn't even part of it. He hated the messy job site. All right, well, I know how I'm going to stand out right off the bat is that I'm going to this, you're going to be able to eat off of this floor. Again, fast forward to now, fast forward to now, I'm talking to a client and, you know, ah, this, I'm trying to get the roof replaced in my building and this guy won't fucking call me back. Oh, that's the biggest pet peeve when someone doesn't call me back. And I'm just sitting at the other side of the table, just nodding my head like, yeah, man, that's stored up here. Next time that guy's phone rings, boy, you better be on him like flies on shit because you already know what's going to set him off. Um, Because, again, you're a dime a dozen. What we do is a dime a dozen, I think. Maybe I'm being too humble. Maybe I'm being naive. um, But the act of what we do is a dime a dozen, but um, the 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 um, the riches are in the niches, right? So people don't listen, bro. hundred percent, a hundred percent. Like you have to be. God, too many times you talk to people. This is a fucking pet peeve of mine. Too many times you talk to people, and it's they already know what they're going to say. I, I know that you were going to say that regardless of what I said because it doesn't even correspond with what I just said, right? It's like, this should be verbal ping pong. I should say something, you should say something back to that. You shouldn't say what was already loaded in the chamber to say. And I I think that's a problem as a whole, but it's definitely a problem when you're trying to get money from somebody for a service. You know, it's like, I have to be, I'm a resource for you. Not only do I, have to listen and kind of see what your pain points are and deliver on those pain points. But I also have to be somebody that you like working with, right? Like we're doing sales. And the reality is people want to work with people they like. It doesn't matter if I'm working the register somewhere at a coffee shop or if I'm making widgets for somebody or if I'm their builder. It's they have options. I can go to a million coffee shops, but you know, the, the guy or the girl that hands me my coffee in the morning always does it with a smile and is delightful and says, have a good day. And I leave there with a little bit of pep in my step, you know, um, or this contractor is going to give me the same service because commercial part of the commercial world is a lot of it is mundane, right? A lot of it's just steel stud, drywall, drop ceiling, paint on the wall, carpet tile or LVT on the floor because it's their office space. It's not their home. They're not pouring over design for months. They just want a place where workers can go and make them money. So again, there's, that's not every project, but generally that's the project. So it's like, I want to do it with this guy because I like this guy. I know that he'll answer my calls. He'll treat me with respect. He will understand um, any boundaries that I have. And I appreciate that he sets his own, right? You're not calling me at seven o'clock to talk about something stupid 
for the next day, seven o'clock PM. You're not doing, I'm not answering. That's not happening. I'm with the kids. Like, so I'm setting boundaries right off the bat. You, you have full access to me during the business day, but don't ask me to meet on a Saturday to look at something that can wait till Monday. I'm not doing it, you know? And I think, I think people respect that also. Um, so be somebody that you would want to work with. That's kind of what I think. Like if I were you, what would I want? Well, I'd want somebody that's personable, professional, can also shoot the shit with me about the football game. Um, you know, somebody that I wouldn't mind having coffee with for an hour or somebody who, you know, I kind of want to know more about their home life or, um, that's, that's the type of person I would want to work with. Because again, um, Anybody can do any of the professional stuff, really. Any, yeah. any of this shit out there. Anybody can sell me a cell phone, dude. I, I don't freaking care. It's a cell phone. Anybody can still fucking have her, you know? Yeah, but like this guy, this guy, like just the other day was like, hey, man, like, you know, I want to help you out. How can I help you out? Well, I'm having this issue. One of my guys is having this issue with the phone. You know, I'll help you out. Here's my card. I'll meet you tomorrow at your office. Oh, well, if while you're at my office, I'd love to get rid of my landline. Like, how do I make the calls to the landline good my cell phone? I got you. We'll get you set up tomorrow. I'm like, this fucking guy, he can have he whatever he whatever you know, cell phone issue I have, he's my guy now. Yeah. Now, I'll be yeah. honest with you, I'll be honest with you. A week prior, I went in that store for something unrelated, and the dude was just straight up unhelpful. He just just didn't help. He just sat there and yeah. It's okay. I'm not the guy that has the bad meal at the restaurant and never goes to the restaurant again. I'm like, all right, well, it's a bad day or it was a bad minute. Yeah, it's okay. I'll go again. I'm not going to look at a review and see 3.5 out of 5 and not go there. No, I'll have my own experience. So I had the bad experience. Not bad. It just wasn't the best experience. Now, if I was... Uh, if I was one of those people that said, I'm never going back there again, then maybe I wouldn't have met this guy who is now a fantastic resource for me on the networking side. So, yeah, be you okay. can make a judgment of not going anymore. Like once you get like a few bad experiences in a row or something. Yeah. And be like, OK, like, you know, three times in a row. It's like, <laughs> yeah, right. Maybe there's a pattern here, but like anybody can have an off day, you know. Yeah. And so. then, uh. Yeah, like the when you were when you were talking like that your clients you want this is somebody that you want to get to know more, right? Like you you know would I have a coffee with this guy? I want to know more about his life. It's like people say that you shouldn't do business with your friends, but it's like, you know, now you're just doing business with a bunch bunch of strangers that you don't even like. And it's like you should see your clients or, or people that you do business with as like, yeah, this is somebody like you're saying to your point. I want to have a coffee with, I would, you know, want to talk about the game with, you know, oh, he plays the same sports that I play. He grew up the same way that I did. Like, you know, he's not his friend, you know? I think you should strive to do business with your friends, people that you like. Clients will become friends quicker than friends will become clients. Exactly. For me, I'm not looking to do business with my friends on this professional side because we all know how that works out, Urban, right? You know, yeah. your sister needs a recommendation on an electrician. You give her the best electrician you got. Well, again, dude has an off day, right? Maybe he says something that she doesn't like or the husband doesn't like or Then all of a sudden it's Irvin, your guy's an idiot. He's like, he's not an idiot. 
I've done $10 million worth of work with this guy. He had a bad day. You're judging him too quickly. And uh, so there's too much of that, right? So a, a client will definitely become a friend quicker than a, a friend will become a client, a friend or a family member, I think, for me. Um, I, yeah. I try to be, I try and be friends with, with everybody, you know, uh, we just did a 30,000 square foot building renovation on a building that we built 20 years ago. So we built it 20 years ago. It changed hands last year, two years ago. They heard we built the building. They called us and, um, they said, look, we want to renovate this entire building, gut it all, fit out one half. Sure. We spent a year doing it. And. The highest compliment I could have gotten with tough project, fancy building, a um, lot of ins and outs and quirks about this building. But uh, the biggest compliment that I got was after one year of working with them, the owner invited myself and my superintendent out to a dinner after Christmas at one of the most bougie joints around here. Fancy five hour dinner, treated us like kings, extremely thankful hugged us at the end, told us he loved us, took pictures with us, said how pleasant the experience was. That's it. You, you, you've arrived, right? If you're doing your job and you're getting shit like that, you've arrived. So now it's how do we rinse and repeat that, right? So now it's like looking back, what did we do for them that made them feel this way? And how do we copy that? Yeah, that's, that's, I like that. And uh, something I like about your story, though, is like the fact that you started at the very bottom, so you've been in job sites, and then now you're the owner of the company. Um, and like a lot, what a lot of people think is like, oh, I need to start my own thing, right? And you know, like you can start your own thing. You know, you joined something that was already established, you know, probably like ten years in or something. So what, what do you think, or what advice do you have for for somebody like that who thinks that they want to start? own business but they're probably just better off joining another company and then probably taking over you know later on down the line or just being like one of the top people at that company yeah it's a great question um if you follow cody sanchez online she talks a lot about yeah yeah I she's do. great right you know you know cody yeah um she uh she's great and she talks about how um there's one of the biggest opportunities to create wealth over the next few years that in, 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 in the longest time, right? And that opportunity is a lot of these baby boomers are retiring. A lot of these owners don't know or think that there's any value in their business. So for me, I could have started my own business or I could have purchased this business. For me, I'm an advocate of buying a business um, because most businesses fail within the first five years. There's a lot of learning curves that have to get worked out there. And if you could instantly jump to year seven of a business, why wouldn't you if the value is there? Um, for me, all I really bought was goodwill. I'm a commercial general contractor. We build and renovate commercial properties and we sub it out. I don't have a lot of stuff, right? Like. Our, 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 our warehouse is some scaffold, some gang boxes, some ladders, anything that a superintendent would need to oversee a project. So all I really bought was goodwill. I bought brand recognition, which I would argue is big, right? Um, 
if you see Nike, you already know what you're getting shoes wise. Yep. You already know that you're set. Um, if you're looking to buy a plumbing outfit from your local area and it has good brand recognition, um, that's half the battle. I mean, you would really, it would really be an uphill climb to create that sort of brand recognition if you started something from scratch. And another thing that's great with these baby boomer businesses like mine, mine fell right into Cody's wheelhouse, was um, there's a lot of low hanging fruit. We did not have a website. We were still faxing shit. We did not market at all. We did not have any sort of client follow-up. All of that stuff can be done for a couple hundred dollars. So I knew that, okay, if we are at X revenue-wise, I can get it to Y by creating a website, starting an Instagram, posting more on my LinkedIn, labeling the trucks. That's easy shit, you know? Um, so you get a little value add right off the bat. Um, and particularly if you were with the company, you kind of know where the dead bodies are, right? Like I know, okay, that guy was making too much. I can lop that off right away and save a hundred thousand dollars where I know where kind of, we were leaking oil financially on other stuff. So I can plug that leak. I can cut that guy. I can, open, I can start a website, million dollars, top line added right there. You know, those sorts of things. Um, so I'm an advocate of buying a business. There's Biz Buy Sell is a good website um, that I like to look at. I'm constantly looking to roll up new businesses because um, the previous person did all the hard work. Um, so again, the value has to be there. And a lot of that goes back to what we talked earlier on, um, on what companies trade at. Again, if you're looking for something in the blue collar world, my world, um, I'm looking at a laundromat car wash, those sorts of things. Um, just know kind of where they trade at and 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 you're, you're way ahead of the game because there's no feelings. There should be no feelings involved with buying a business. It should be the books show me this company makes X. This sort of industry trades at, we'll call it five times. So it made $100,000 five times trade this company's worth half a million bucks period uh, you know you're not going to tell me it was your baby so i should give you 700 you're not going to tell me oh i was taking cash here so okay well then i don't even want to do a deal with you if that's how you're operating in that regard because who knows how much this stuff is accurate right that's why if your accountant can tell you in five minutes this the ebitda on this company is 250 this sort of industry trades at five. It's a million dollar value offer a million bucks. There's a little bit of wiggle room. That's it. Um, but small businesses, um, a lot of times aren't making a ton of profit, but there's a ton of profit to be had, right? Maybe the owner's wife's vehicle is in there, or maybe all of their vacations were in there. So really kind of pour through the numbers when you get them and try and find right away where you can trim some fat. Bonus points if the number speaks to you as is. If you say, oh, shit, I can do this and make that, that works. But once you go through the numbers, you might even find some more fat you can trim. So, and again, all the hard work is done. So maybe for a couple hundred thousand dollars, maybe you could buy a company that is multi-million dollar top line revenue, make it your own, 
start tomorrow and the industry already knows you, right? If I'm bringing to market Jason's construction company, it's a lot different than LK Miller been around since 1990. That's the reason I bought period. I bought the name and the ability to put established 1990 for me. It's on my shirt. LK Miller established 1990. Boom. And, and I'm, and, and they recognize me. So I thought there was value there. There was value in that, um, maybe electrical company that you used to use that was a father-son company that just dissolved because dad didn't want to work anymore, but he also didn't know that his company had value. So what I tell my friends in the industry is if you see, again, I'm speaking to my world construction. If there's an outfit that you work with that you say, man, they operate right, they're small and they're older, inquire, inquire. Hey, what, what's your succession plan? Do you have Mr. Plumber? You guys are great. What are you going to do when you die, Joe, the plumber? Oh, well, shit. I'm just going to, you know, close the doors. Well, let's talk, you know, like one of my millwork guys brought that up to me recently. I said, what are you going to do? I'd love to retire. Well, who's taking over? What do you mean? I'm just going to close the doors. Don't do that. Let's talk. Let's talk. You know, so we're talking now and it's like that happens constantly. There was an HVAC company we used. He was an older guy. He just closed the doors. I'm like, dude, someone could have bought that. Someone could have bought an established 40-year HVAC company for, frankly, could have stole it because you, you, you closed it. So who knows, just by having the conversation, maybe someone would have gave you money. So if you are the older end user, tell people what you want to do. Tell people you'd love to sell. Tell people you'd love to retire and see what comes your way. And if you're looking to acquire... Again, think of that riches in the niches, right? Think of that painter who does a fantastic job on high-end homes. And, and you know, anytime I use a different painter, it's not the same experience. That painter's great. Well, he might be an old guy. You know, it's him and his brother that are going to retire in a couple of years. And they think, I'm going to close the doors. There's value there. So I am an advocate of if I have a goal or a dream or an interest, I like telling the world about it. Because then I think naturally the right stuff will gravitate back to me. So tell the people in your industry, hey, I'm looking to roll up or I'm looking to acquire some of our competitors, some of our subcontractors. You know anybody? Not right now, but maybe later they say, hey, you know what? Irvin mentioned to me last week, you know, over coffee that he would have loved to, you know, pick up a, a duck company. You know, oh, I know this guy. Be somebody that connects people, right? add value. I love doing that. This guy and this guy, I'm constantly setting them up on a date. Maybe nothing arrives out of it, but maybe something does. And it's like, oh, Jason was the guy that hooked me up with the guy whose company I bought. And then he's also a builder. Hey, he's my go-to call next time I need something built. Yeah. I don't know if you know who uh, Dan Fleischman is. Oh, Dan Fleischman. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yep. Yeah. He's like the connector in the, connector, in the world. Yeah. You could you could make you could make a living out of just being a connector. You could get out yeah. of school, you could have no discernible ability at all, except maybe you're personable and you just link people up. I just did it before this. I, I just linked two people up that I know value will come from that relationship. But yeah, Dan kills it. And 
it's like yeah, yeah i marvel at that because internally it's kind of what i want to do <laughs> yeah, yeah i get you so uh, let's talk a little bit about your personal development journey i know you mentioned that you have a morning routine uh, that you do before your kids wake up you also mentioned that you hit the gym and then you stopped drinking like a little over a year ago right correct yeah that was that was um that was arguably maybe the best decision that i've ever made was to stop the drinking um what made you make the decision because i mean in the construction world bro, like you know this everybody drinks yeah that's what made me stop because i don't want to be like everybody else uh, yeah. that's one of the determining factors right was when i was 19 years old pushing a broom it was real quick and real evident that most guys were middle-aged guys with a drinking problem that were overweight and called their wife their old lady and i was like this is just that's misery right so um a i was too vain for any of that i'm like there's no freaking way i'm gonna be the 50 year old guy with the bad back the big belly out of shape can't run with the kids looks like he's a hundred no fuck that yeah. so um so for me um i had always wanted to stop drinking and i did a podcast with uh brad from sobriety uh motivation a uh, sober motivation sorry and he's a fantastic uh resource um, if you're considering drinking, uh, stopping drinking, he will provide you with uh, all of the tools that you could use. And um, for me, that was really helpful. But I had always wanted to stop drinking. And every New Year's Eve, it was like, all right, dry January, I'm going to stop. And uh, I don't know, dude, I just couldn't, you know, like I do January and then I drink again. And I believe in my heart that I can do anything I put my mind to, but stopping drinking, I never thought I could do. I thought it was, all right, well, I'm just going to be a successful, good dad who physically he kept himself together. I mean, you know, maybe he's 43 and he looks 33, but his liver looks 80. And like, I guess that's just my deal, right? Because I can't stop drinking. And it was never really um, like an awful, awful thing. There's plenty of uh, dark moments. There was plenty of uh, rock bottoms. But I wasn't the guy, you know, rolling out of bed on a Tuesday, having to hit the bottle in order to work. Like there's real levels to this. And I am acutely aware that I wasn't there. But um, I'm also somebody that when I drink, I turn into a different person frankly, I turned into a jerk. So that doesn't work for me. I had too many people, in particular my wife, say, you're like the nicest guy sober, and then you get drunk and you're a fucking asshole. And that had to happen too many times before I heard it. And um, I always wanted to stop. And then last January, just over a year ago, um, again, I'm owning the business. I have two young kids and my morning routine is extremely important to me. None of that is conducive to drinking in the evening. Um, I'm not as sharp at, at work. I'm a little more short with my kids and maybe I'm not doing my morning routine like I should. So, um, cause I, I took up transcendental meditation maybe 15 years ago. So that's a big part of my morning routine. 
and um, I, uh, it, 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 dude, it's it's pretty messed up when you're hungover and you're trying to do your TM in the morning, and then a kid's coming out the door and work's blowing up. It's like something here has to go, right? And I quickly realized it was the drinking. So I did dry January last year. Felt great. I was like, well, shit, why don't I do dry February? Felt great. Dry March. I'm like, oh, shit, I'm like doing this. I'm like, if I get to six months, that'd be amazing. And uh, I got the six months. Super proud of myself. I reached out to Brad. He was like, dude, come on the podcast, man. Like, tell your story. You know, there's a lot of, you'll get a lot of good feedback. And, and sure enough, I did. Um, and I kept going. And I thought, there's no freaking way I'll get to a year. And I was like, if I could be one of those people that um, post on their Instagram page that they're 365 days with no alcohol, I'm like, I don't know how you did it, but I want to like one day, maybe kind of, sort of, I hope. And I did this New Year's Day. I did that. And it was a big deal for me. I got such good feedback. And to be honest with you, several people who I didn't think had a problem with alcohol reached out to me telling me that they do have a problem with alcohol. And is there any advice I could give them or um, any kind of tips or tricks? And I, I, there's really no tip or trick other than you have to want to and you have to do the work, right? So um, Ed Milet, uh, his dad was an alcoholic. That podcast where he talked about that really helped me because um, the power of one more, right? Like his dad. Yeah, correct. Just his, his, his dad came home from rehab and he said, daddy, are you never going to drink again? And he said, I, I, I don't know, but I can tell you that I'm just not going to drink for one more day. And I thought like that, I got the chills just telling you, right? Like um, just don't drink today and then see what tomorrow brings. So there would be times where I'd come home from work and dude, I'm crawling out of my skin at five, six o'clock. I'm looking for a drink to kind of ease the pain or numb the bullshit. And uh, I'm like, just try not to drink for one more day. And sure enough, 4.30 next morning, bang, you wake up and you're like, I did it. Like, I, I did it. That felt great, you know? And then, um, so it really helped set me off on... I'm super focused. I have way more energy. I'm extremely goal oriented. Um, I'm a lot more positive, right? And I'm a lot better father, I think, and husband. Um, tomorrow's Saturday. I will wake up again 4.30 because the morning routine has to stay the same regardless. Yeah. I will not drink tonight, which is Friday night, which was unheard of a year and a half ago. I mean, this is like a, this is like a, this is an invitation to have a dozen drinks, eat like shit, wake up the next day and be a load for half the day. And I just didn't want that because I was still doing that stuff. And I was going to the gym on Saturday thinking, that's okay. I'm going to the gym. What's well, like, dude, you consume 2000 calories of shit and you, and you ran two miles, you know, you burn 300 calories. Like what, what are you doing here? Yeah. So now you're not. <laughs> yeah. And you're weak, right? It's like, you know, the bench press on a Saturday is a joke because it's, um, you're, 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 you're ringing out, you're, you know, you're still trying to dry out. But, um, so I don't know for me, 
the last thing I want to do is be the guy who trumpets how great sobriety is and becomes annoying with it. So I try and temper it, but the reality is it's really fucking cool. And it, yeah. it, and it will pour gasoline on your life for sure. Like you will 10 X, whatever you're doing, I have, and I didn't think it was possible, you know? So, um, again, check out sober motivation, check out any sort of, you know, AA meetings. Um, there's books, you know, just be around it, right? The proximity principle is if you want to do something, be around it. So hang with people that don't drink, go to a meeting. Um, don't go to the bar. That's kind of the hard part is maybe I had to become a recluse for the first three months. Like, no, I can't do things. No, I'm not going to come over and watch the Super Bowl with you in early February because I'm six weeks in and I'm determined to do more, you know, and now this past Super Bowl was fine. I, I don't, I, I took, you know, 50 people for Christmas to um, a local restaurant and uh, for a Christmas party to celebrate the company. And that was always, I was like, man, how the hell am I going to do that? A bunch, a bunch amongst a bunch of my peers, you know, like, and not drink super easy, super empowering. Um, if you can put away the ego, right. The masculinity part too, where it's like, I don't want to be the only guy drinking. Well, guess what you realize? A lot of people want to stop drinking. And a lot of people get really curious when you tell them that you don't drink. And a lot of people will level with you in public or behind closed doors and say, help, I, I need help. I, I want to I stop drinking. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better husband. I want to have better focus at work, you know, these sorts of things. Um, so so like, I can't say enough about stopping drinking, but um, if you have any questions on that, you want to reach out to me, by all means, I'm happy to help. Um, and then as it pertains to my morning routine, I wake up 4.30, I do my transcendental meditation, I journal, I um, stretch, I have a stretch routine that I do. Um, I used to work out in the mornings and then I realized that um, eat the frog is a saying, right? Do the hard shit first and get that out of the way. So my workout for me is an easy thing for me, but I want to eat the frog. I want to do the shit that I don't want to do first. So by doing my meditation and doing my journaling and sitting quietly for a little bit, that helps clear my mind. And then I'm ready for the tough thing. The tough thing for me is maybe getting the proposal out because my brain doesn't necessarily like to pour through, you know, numbers and do math and all that it's i'm kind of a, again i'm kind of the guy who puts the guys together dan fleshman-esque right um so that's a heavy lift for me so i'll do that first thing you know that hard email that you don't want to send do it then right that call you have to make later in the day that you don't want to do uh record yourself doing it then do the hard thing first um for oftentimes it just goes from the stuff i previously mentioned i do to um, kind of envisioning my day, how it's going to work out. And then honestly, I just jump right into flipping up my laptop and playing catch up because that's when I'm most sharp after having done that with a clear mind, cup of coffee. I mean, I can pour through hundred emails in an inbox like that, you know, <laughs> or I can, I can stay focused on a proposal for 40 minutes very easily. And another 
good thing about that time of day is no one's bothering you, right? So it's kind of separation season. Like for me, early mornings, Fridays, weekends, and days around holidays, you know, the day before Christmas, New Year's Day, I love it because everybody else takes their foot off the gas and they think it's um, an invitation to, again, be hungover, not work. Me, dude, it's like I'm fucking hitting the gas. I, I'm taking this car 200 miles an hour around the corner into the weekend. Like, because everybody's going, oh, it's noon, it's two. I can go have a I'm drink. Yeah. I can go have a lot. Yeah, I'm gone. I have a go long lunch, you know, whatever. Four o'clock today, dude, I'll be on fire because I'll know that I'm the only one working and I'm just getting light years ahead of everybody. Yeah. Yeah, dude, I, I also stopped drinking about over a year ago. Did yeah. you really? Good for you. Yeah, before Christmas of How was that? I mean, I wasn't a big drinker, but I had already stopped drinking one time for like 400-something days. Mm. And then I started again in in 2022, like mid-2022. And then um, I was just like a moderate drinker or whatever, right? Once in a while kind of thing. And then before Christmas, I was just like, man, you know, I'm just going to stop. Like, I don't need it, you know? It's not one of those things. Like, it no longer serves you, right? Like, that's what I say. It just no longer serves me. Yeah, I mean, you realize that, right? You realize, like, I mean, what does drinking really do? Like, it's just poison. Like, literally, it's just poison. So, yeah. okay, like, that was and, out. And, and it's know. become extremely um, commonplace to, and accepted to just, oh, yeah. Like, if I told you, like, hey, I'm going to go, I'm going to go drink six 12-ounce glasses of poison tonight. <laughs> like, what the fuck's wrong with you? <laughs> That's really what you're doing, though, you know? Yeah. And oh, by the way, the vein guy in me, lost 25 pounds like that right so that that's that's an obvious kind of benefit that um, yeah. is helpful so why did you start drinking again was that a concerted effort or you just kind of slipped back into it uh, it's because the supplement company that i use throws a an annual party like a customer appreciation party sure where it's like a three-day weekend in st louis so uh, we, we were out there june 2022 and then, uh, I mean, like, you know, it was just one of those times where I was like, I mean, fuck it, you know, I had already <laughs> gone like, I had already gone 400 days without drinking and I was never like a huge drinker. Um, but it was just one of those times where it just kind of felt like I was in control this time, mm-hmm. you know, and I want to, you know, want to have a drink just to have a drink. And I think I got like pretty hammered that, that night too. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. So did you stick? But, uh, did you stick yeah. with it beyond that event? Uh, no, uh, lightly till till like December, like that same. Like it was June 2020, 20, June twenty two, twenty two, all the way to December twenty two, and then right before Christmas. I mean, usually people wait after the holidays, right? Yeah, you know they have they have that excuse yeah. of like, oh, I'm gonna wait after the holidays, but I decided to do it before the holidays. I was like. I don't need it, you know, because you have all these events, you know, the you know family parties or whatever, and everybody's just hammered. I had already gone 400 days, so I was like, I mean, this time I'm gonna stop for good. Like, I I don't need it good for, for what every time I drink, every time I drink is a bad experience, you know. Yeah, You're like I, shit. I do. You know, that. you you tend to not not even like the alcohol anymore. Mm-hmm. You start to 
to drink them like they're water because they don't even affect you anymore. That, 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 that's the problem. Yeah. And then it's like, you're drinking them like water and then you, you get to a threshold where for me, I became somebody else. And yeah. that wasn't, um, you know, back to what we talked about earlier, being the guy that people want to work with. No one wants to work with fucking drunk Jason. I promise yeah. you. Like, I'm just, you know, and, and it's interesting too, because, um, there is a real empowerment in not drinking. There's a, there's a lot of power that you, that can take over your body when you go to an event where you're supposed to drink and you don't, it's very scary in the beginning to be the one that says, no, thanks. I'm just going to have a water. Um, but you do that a couple of times, dude, for me, I hate to say this, but I leave events where people are drinking or even when I'm there in my head, I think to myself, I got you. I'm one up on you. I have the self-control. I'm, yeah. I'm in control of myself right now and you are Everybody not correct. Yeah. And, and that's empowering to me, right? Like it's empowering to leave my company Christmas party of 50 people driving away, not having the look in my rear view mirror for cops and thinking like, yeah, like, like I did it. Like I'm going to wake up tomorrow feeling the best of that whole group. And not only will I wake up feeling the best, but I'm going to wake up and I'm going to jump right back into the activities that got me to where I am and just create that separation. Yeah. Yeah, like I'll go, I'll go to some events, you know, with like church people, like the church that I go to in Austin. This is a lot of people, 20s, 30s, my age. And we'll have, you know, group hangouts or whatever. And we usually like at a brewery or a bar or something. And, and I mean, everybody's drinking, right? Like they're not getting hammered, but everybody has it. There could be like 15 people at the table. Everybody's drinking. I'm the only one with the water cup. Love it, man. And, and I tell it. people, and usually when I go out with people like, you know, with a girl or something, you know, they get a drink and I'm just like with the water and I'm like, yeah, I don't even, I don't drink anymore. And then right away, dude, right, every, every time I tell people, I tell somebody that I don't drink anymore, right away, they reply with, oh, I don't, I don't drink that much either anymore. <laughs> like, they, they get like real defensive real quick. <laughs> I know, dude, I know it well, or if you're right, man. That's They're like, oh, it's just once in a while I drink, but yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. This is right this, away. I do this all the time. Yeah, sure. You don't yeah. do this all the time on a first date. Yeah, sure. Um, well, it's funny too because uh, one of the things you learn early on, or at least that I heard that really stuck with me, is when you're trying to stop drinking and you tell people that you are not drinking, the people that try and pull you into drinking, or the people that try and peer pressure you into having a drink they are not your people and yeah. you you quickly become cognizantly aware of that the people that are your people are the people that say wow good for you that's great you know and and i and i know of the two dozen people that i had these conversations with over the last year i remember what side of that fence they fell on and and uh, sadly i was the guy who years ago if Urban said, hey, I'm not drinking tonight, say, ah, come on, man. Like, you know, am I going to be the only one drinking tonight? 
well, yeah, because you're a fucking idiot. Now you're an alcoholic. That's why. You know, like you're not going to pull me into that. Um, so I know people that um, professionally and personally that I say, I, I, I'm not I'm not drinking. Oh, man, that's great. You know, how, how'd you do that? God, I'd love to do that. Um, I, I read that registers with me as these are my people versus, ah, come on, you're going to make me, you're going to make me drink alone. Yeah. Yeah. I am. You know, because I'm not you and you're not me. Yeah. Uh, so gravitate towards those people, the people that um, think that what you're doing is a good thing in all aspects of life. The people that are in your world that um, they energize you when you are around them, stick with them. You know, the people that drain your energy and want you to drink with them or think that you're too much of a hot shot for starting a podcast. Fuck those people, you know, like people above you will never critique you. It's usually the people below you that will critique you. Right. Yeah, that's right. Guys doing better than us, or they don't care what we're up to. No one's ripping us right now because we're on a podcast, right? There might be cats that me and you grew up with that might see this and go, who the hell do these guys think they are? Well, guess what? Like, you're not even in our world. Yeah. You know, and I, and that's it's a little, um, maybe it's a little cocky or arrogant, but it's just the reality. You know, like some people don't operate on your frequency and vibration and that's okay but that doesn't mean you have to gravitate towards them you know who says your name in a room where you aren't right who's bringing up your name when you aren't even there those are your people who's thinking about sending somebody to you for, for a work for a project or as a guest like those are your people man like not the people trying to cut you down. Yeah, for sure. Well, dude, shit, we're already past an hour. We're now in 20, but right? the conversation, yeah, the conversation's been great, dude. For another hour, dude. <laughs> yeah, like this, you're gonna, you're gonna see. I'm gonna, I'm gonna chop this video up and make a whole bunch of reels out of it, like, because, because everything that you've been dropping was like spot on. So, thanks, brother. I appreciate that, man. Yeah, you brought, a, you brought a lot of value today. So, thank you. Thank you. Um, man. Yeah, before we wrap up, man, tell, tell everybody where they can find you and reach you at. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, so my name's Jason Scholl. I'm the president of LK Miller. Uh, my personal Instagram is Scholl DJ. Uh, my company is LKM Commercial. My company website is lkmiller.inc. Um, you can find me on uh, LinkedIn, Jason Scholl, S-C-H-O-L-L. Um, that's kind of where you can find me. Um I'm happy to reach out um, and talk with anybody who has any questions about anything we discussed today, man. Like I love paying it forward. Um, I'm the oldest of six. I'm used to kind of taking care of people and leading them in the right direction. Like that shit excites me. So if you have any questions, commercial construction related, uh, sobriety related or otherwise, you know, reach out. I'd love to chat. Oh yeah, man. Any closing remarks? For anybody listening or watching? Um, hmm. That's a good one, man. Uh, I would say be nice, work hard, and stay focused. And that'll take you anywhere you want in life. Oh, yeah, man. Well, Jason, 
Thanks for coming on, bro. Thanks, sir. I appreciate it, brother. Have a good day. All right. Take care. Later. Let's go.